What's up, Supreme Stanners listeners? This is Tina Edwards, and on this episode, as you know, because you've seen it in the title, we talk to a very special person, Michael League of the band Snarky Puffy, ahead of their appearance at Love Supreme Jazz Festival this summer. We talk about their album Immigrants, about the power of practicing and how he chooses what to practice when he's already at such a high level of musicianship, and also about his coming solo record. This is the very special version of the Supreme Standards podcast, our first time doing this on Skype. So thanks for hanging out with me from Oakland. My pleasure. Let's start off with Life Swap. I'm going to ask you to pick three alternate lives. So you get to keep yours as Michael League right now doing your thing, but you can choose three alternate lifestyles for you to dip in and out of. Wow, that's interesting. I'll kind of give you a few examples so you know how to roll with it. Uh, so I'd be like around for the third industrial revolution. I'd be Anderson Pack just because he has like killing pajama sort of like get up and amazing energy and charisma. And I think I'd be a robot to find out whether I feel pain or not and to just kind of cure my curiosity. So you can jump in and out of these lives and your own as much as you like. So what would yours three be today? Uh, I think definitely Leonardo da Vinci. Nice, that's a good shot. I feel like that's a, I feel like that's that would be a a really interesting one, and maybe what attracts you to the Leonardo da Vinci one? I'm curious. Mm, I mean, just the ability to have so much vision in so many different fields. Mm-hmm. To me, that's really incredible. You know, that that like to be the best at so many different things that normally people don't, you know, you have a gift in art, but maybe you don't have a gift in science or you have, you know, I, I mean, it just he just seemed kind of like a guy that was just completely on fire. For sure. It seems really interesting. And, um, oof, another one, right? I get two? Yeah. Two more. Oof. Yes, three in total. I feel like I would like to have been around the first time someone created like kind of conscious art sonically, you know, like been in that cave or in that field or whatever the first time somebody sang or played a rhythm on purpose. I feel like that would have been a really interesting moment just to see if people even noticed or... uh, I feel like it's something that probably happened quite organically so much so that like no one would notice that that was the moment Mm. so I guess it's it's figuring out like would it be the root of something that then later gets coined as as like the first moment or yeah yeah I guess it just depends on how slow the 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 growth curve on it was but I feel like it could there could have been kind of a a bit of a watershed moment like if if or at least if someone expressed it in a way that wasn't practical and that was simply for, for, for expression. Sure. And pro- probably people might have, if they were even people then, you know, taken notice. I don't know. Uh, and number three, how about... Um, oof. It's a tough one. Maybe... I'd kind of like to... I guess probably everybody says this, but I'd kind of like to jump in the future a little bit. Does everybody say that? Do you know what? I feel like I'm struggling to think of anyone that said they're going to jump in the future. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So I think you're actually kind of in a minority here, which is cool. A lot of people say they want to be spies uh, or like Secret Service Fort Five or, uh, or like, I don't know, like a lot of escapism sort of answers tend to pop up or doing something like in the middle of nowhere and really quiet and being off grid. Off grid ones come up a lot. But yeah, being a bit in the future would be cool. Like, what would you want to find out to bring back to the present? Uh, I just, it's just information. I guess it's probably motivated by the same thing by as as people who want to be, you know, have security clearance or whatever, just to know things that we can't possibly know right now, like what actually will happen with climate change, like the truth about things that never gets released until forty or fifty years has passed. You know, sure. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I just think it'd be interesting to see what this all looks like in 150 years right yeah if if it's a, if it's around <laughs> jesus i know tell me about it it's holding your head in your hand sort of vibe but yeah it would be amazing to have that kind of insight for sure that would be absolutely uh, fascinating um so let's talk about uh immigrants um so the album's out right now i wanted to talk to you about something that you shared with us on supreme standards which was a really interesting quote that kind of stuck in my head it was just that you were you mentioned in a Q&A that you were terrified for people to hear the album. Um, can you kind of tell us um, any like any fears that you had about people hearing hearing this new direction that you took on the album and if those are quelled once it sort of came out? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think when you make a record, you have no idea whether it's, um, whether it's good or whether it sucks. I mean, to be blunt, it's just like you, you'd have no perspective because you're just, you've heard it a bunch you've you're not just listening to the sound which is the way that 99.9% of the world will experience the record is just purely hearing the sound of the record you know the moods that the guys were in when they made it you know what the room looked like you know you remember what time of year it was all these things kind of color your your perspective mm-hmm. on uh, on on what it is that the record is and um you know, at certain moments I was like, is this too different from what we've been doing? And then at other moments I was like, is this too much the same? Did we not do anything unique here? Um, but I think in the end what, what's what's most important is just that um, when you take some time away from it as an artist that was a part of creating it, that when you like put it on later, you feel good. And then it's cool. You know, I mean, now I can, I, I, I mean, I don't listen to it because we're playing the tunes every night, but when it comes on in a radio station that I'm doing an interview at or something, I'm like, oh, sounds cool. You know, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, it's, so it's not like I'm, but I really sent an email to a bunch of my friends like, is this okay? Does this suck? Like, I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, you know? I mean, it's just one of those. Right. It's one of those things where you just have no, you have no idea. It's like, do you think you're attractive? You know, you're like, what? I mean, what? I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm attracted. You know what I mean? Sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, I look good. And sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm hideous. Perception is a very strange thing, but it's like, like you were saying with emailing everyone, it's so good to have those people around you whose musical opinion you completely trust and feel safe in getting that sort of uh, critique from or just support from. Like yeah, one would hope. There's probably just a few select people, right, where you, you can totally take what they're saying at face value when it comes to something as personal as your music. Yes. But but I mean I think a lot of people are also they're afraid to offend your um, your sensitivities. I mean maybe those people exist. <laughs> I try I try to be that person with artists that I'm producing, you know, if I try to I try to, you know, but then sometimes it's gotten me 
really into trouble with them because they get offended, you know? And I'm like, well, it's, I mean, it's my job not to tell you the truth because I don't know the truth. Mm-hmm. It's my job to tell you what I think, you know? Yeah, to share your perception and to be an honest mirror right. to kind of what you're right. hearing. Yeah. Um, and I guess, like, I kind of have that experience when uh, a friend of mine tells me something that's difficult to hear or that I don't want to hear kind of out of the blue. Then you're like, aha, like, you're a true friend. You're not saying stuff that's agreeable sure. to, you know, be liked or for us to have a tension-free conversation. Um, so I guess, it, you know, when you can do that with your music, it's it's a real um, beautiful thing. Love Supreme Jazz Festival is just weeks away and at time of recording there are still miraculously some tickets left to come and see people like Tank and the Bangers, Steam Down, Sampa the Great, Maisha, Makaya McRaven. There is so much good stuff. If you want to see a live interview as well as Makaya McRaven, I'm going to be chatting to him in the jazz lounge in front of a live audience. So come hang out with us. And we're also putting on a few DJs at the Blue and Green stage with Artie Flo and Tash LC. It's going to be sick. Come join us and find out more on supremestandards.com. Hello, this is Andrea Triana and you're listening to the Supreme Standards Podcast. I know that you're kind of like quite a a music head in terms of discovering uh, artists that you're into and curating for the Ground Up Music Festival. Um, So I'm just kind of curious like where you found your curiosity for new music. I feel like a lot of musicians will be into finding new stuff but you know necessarily that kind of goes into their own creativity of making their own music but with you I feel like you with the label with the festival you love to curate and bring artists together where where did that kind of curiosity come from for you? Uh, I I mean I guess just from when I was a kid my brother was always giving me records whether it was like you know Ali Farkatoure or Sepultura you know I mean he was just always putting things in front of me because he was five years older and mm-hmm. you know also a musician so um i guess that's where the like the, the varied interest came from was from him um but in terms of like creating situations in which people are mixing and mingling and maybe from different musical traditions or um just kind of like breaking uh I don't want to say like breaking barriers because it's not like it's that significant, but just like, you know, normally people, it's just norm easily easier to stay in your lane and, and, and it's riskier to combine, for example, you know, like a, a West African or like we did on family dinner too, like a, like a blues street musician and a Peruvian folkloric singer and a, you know, a jazz band. I mean, that's risky. The reason why it's risky is because it has a high, you know, probability of being awful you know, um, but I think if you go into every situation knowing that, knowing like, okay, the odds are in favor of this situation ending terribly, then you start to, you know, look at why that's the case. And then you start trying to prevent that and looking for opportunities, you know, looking for, for common ground really is the first step. It's not coming from a pessimistic thing. I just think, well, okay, well, what does, you know, street blues what do street blues and you know festejo or or you know afro-peruvian music have in common i certainly hear you it's like when i'm thinking about um putting together a radio show or a dj set i'm thinking about how i can find a thread to pull together the narrative of two seemingly unconnected 
artists or tracks and you kind of create your own story of, of connection with that so I guess it's kind of similar to, to what you're saying absolutely so I wanted to like talk to you as well about the the fact that you've been doing music for 15 years now or so or just over um, do you kind of envision taking like a long break one day or do you manage to take mini breaks between your projects yeah the thing about taking a break I mean I've definitely never done that um, in my adult or professional life, um, and in fact, even like mini breaks are have been kind of few and far between. But each year that goes by, I've been consciously making the effort to 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 give myself a little more time and a little more space. And ironically, you know, the creativity flows more when you do that than when you're just working all the time. You know, right? Um, I, I've learned definitely the hard way that wor- working a lot doesn't mean that you're getting more done. <laughs> it just means that you're working more. Um, and so I'm, I'm doing like a, uh, an actual like three and a half week vacation this year, which is going to be super fun. I'm going to drive through Spain with, uh, actually some of the, some of the guys in the band and some of the crew and significant others and, uh, just spend two weeks kind of driving through Spain and Portugal. And then I have a week uh, in my new home, in Catalonia, northeastern Spain. Sweet. Uh, and I think I'm going to try to do that more often. I mean, you know, the problem in the past has always been fitting it into the schedule and affording it. Um, and now that both those things are starting to kind of open up a little bit, um, I'm, I'm going to try to set up a life for myself in which I can work really hard for, you know, a month or two months, which I love to do, just go all the way down the hole in a project and then just really have another few weeks afterwards to relax and focus on more creative things and and be kind of free up my brain. <laughs> how often do you sort of how long do you practice for on your on your time off when you can? Do you find that you get into like several hours of deep concentration with it, or do you kind of do it sporadically throughout the day? Um, I've been trying to really keep a solid practice routine on this tour, um, which is a seven month tour. <laughs> Um, but right now we're on a six week leg and, um, I think, you know, my, my practice goal every day is basically two hours on, um, this instrument that I'm learning that's called Dohola. It's like a big ceramic bass darbuka, like a hand drum from Egypt. And, uh, I would say that probably 80% of the days of the tour, I've met that goal of like the two hour practicing thing. Um, and really it's just because we're on a bus. I think the second that we start flying, it it becomes very difficult to normalize your schedule. But, you know, we're on a tour bus, so we drive at the end of the show, you know, two hours after the gig, we're on the road, sleeping in the bus. I wake up the next day at 10, and uh, we're in the next city, and the bus is just there, and I don't have sound check till 4, so I have a significant amount of time to try to get some exercise, to read, to do emails, to, you know, knock out things that are on my to-do list and to practice. And... Um, that's been just like a beautiful thing. It's it's like it's for me. It's more valuable than meditation or something. It's because uh, it's kind of meditation and and musical growth at the same time. So working at such a high level of musicianship, how do you kind of select the right things that you want to be practicing? Um, well, I think it. Um, I think good practice is like deliberate. And, you know, focused and aware practice. So you, you isolate the things about your musicianship that you seek to improve. 
normally your your weaknesses. Um, if it's a new instrument, that makes it easy because you're such a beginner that like everything helps. But it's it's um, you know the focus is on technique. How do I get what is in my head on the instrument with a good sound, with good rhythm, you know? Um, as you develop and become more proficient at an instrument, I think it becomes a little more creative and it becomes a little more fun, kind of like, oh, well, what do I want to work on today? Do I want to work on my concept of, you know, harmony, on rhythm, on, you know, uh, transcription, whatever? Uh, so I, th I think that it just depends. Like, like I said in the beginning, it's so you're you're such a child on the instrument that you you focus on fundamentals and you're more advanced because you're getting into kind of like more elevated practice ideas. Um, whereas in the beginning, it's just like how do I play doom 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 with a nice sound, you know? And but then but then within five minutes you have it, so you're like whoa, you know, you feel you get that immediate like bite of the carrot uh, that's dangling in front of you. So yeah, it's 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 a, I don't know. I, I'm fascinated by it. For me, it's like the thing that I enjoy the most in the world right now is practicing. Awesome. Now you're working on a solo records right now. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, the solo album thing is is interesting because uh, I guess I've always um, wanted to be a part of a team. You know, when I was a kid, I loved team sports. Uh, you know, I was always involved in like big theater productions in high school or like, you know, in, in college we had these big bands that everybody played in and I, and I just I love I love the idea of being a part of a unit that's working together and that's embracing different personalities and doing a solo record is the exact the exact opposite of that so um yeah I don't I, I mean it's exciting I'll, I mean my my plan as of now is to play everything to do all the percussion and and uh and melodic instruments and sing also and all the songwriting um so i think it'll be a really solitary process um which is not what having snarky puppy or bocante is like you know those are very collaborative group processes um yeah and uh, as far as crosby's involvement i mean he's just been very encouraging about um about me pursuing things as a songwriter and as a singer because for some strange reason he likes those things about me um we written a lot of songs together for the two records that i worked on with him uh here if you listen and um lighthouse uh and and you know really what i've gleaned from him the most is is just you know the the power of words you know, and, and, and yeah, being able to be explicit about what, uh, what you want to say rather than an instrumental music where it's highly interpretive, the song titles really all you've got to go with and then the vibe of the tune. But, you know, with lyrics, you really can say what it is you want to say in the way that you want to say it in as vague or, uh, clear terms as you like. And, um, and I love to write, I love to write in general. So, uh, writing songs, uh, should be, a lot of fun, you know. Uh, I mean, I've been doing it my whole life, but never with my name on the record. So we'll see how that how that all pans out. Amazing! I can't wait to hear how that pans out too. Um, so we're going to be seeing you playing live at Love Supreme with Snarky Puppy. Can you tell us a little bit about what to expect from the set? Yeah, I mean, as far as um, what people at Love Supreme will see, I think that it'll 
really just be um, a lot of new music and a lot of that new music sounding very different from the record because we've been touring it for a while now and it's already starting to grow and change. And also we'll throw in, you know, tunes from our previous 12 records. <laughs> um, we try to try to really always provide a mix of music each gig and, and we try to never play the same set twice or play a song the same way twice. So um, I think it'd be a lot of fun. It's been a long time since we've been at Love Supreme and um, we've always enjoyed ourselves there. We're really looking forward to it. Wicked. I am too. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out from your tour to have a little chat with us on the Supreme Standards podcast. Thanks for having me. So good to talk to Michael about Snarky Puppy and the upcoming solo album as well. Super intrigued. Uh, you can check out more info at lovesupremefestival.com and also some really cool content as well on supremestandards.com. Um, if you want to drop us a little comment, subscribe, like the podcast, share it with your friends, please do because every little bit of spoken word about the podcast really does help to get these interviews out there. Thanks so much for listening. I've been Tina Edwards and we'll catch you again as we do every two weeks on a Tuesday very soon.